Welcome to On the Record, the podcast for all employees of Axel Springer, where we discuss with leading voices of our media organization what moves us and them today and uh, in the future. My name is Adib. I'm Global Head of Communications. And today I'm very glad to welcome John Harris, the founder and global editor in chief of Politico. Welcome, John. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to see you here uh, also in Berlin. Which I love it every time I'm here. It's <laughs> an exhilarating place. Um, so before we dive into a lot of topics that move you and move Politico these days, uh, we'll start out with some quick fire questions. I'll start with a sentence and I'll ask you to complete it if that's okay. The first app I check in the morning is Politico. Obviously. Uh, one of the most inspiring persons I met last week was? Well, we did just meet the CEO of Microsoft. He's here in Berlin uh, to receive the Axel Springer Award. Uh, we just met with him, and uh, I, I found it uh, really interesting, really challenging. Uh, in, uh, he's the CEO of a big tech company, really faces some of the same uh, questions of how do we exploit technology, use it to our advantage, or avoid somebody uh, uh, using it to attack our business. So that technology company has some of the same challenges as a journalism business. Mm. That's a long fill in the blank. I'm sorry about that. But that's but totally fine. A, that's know, totally yeah, fine. Uh, it, it sounds like it was inspiring indeed. Your most inspiring meeting over the last month was? You know, I, uh, I find meetings with the Politico staff to be incredibly inspiring. I'm new in my job. Uh, I've been with Politico for uh, 17 years, but we have a newly defined uh, role as a global editor-in-chief. And so I'm meeting lots of people and working with them uh, who I didn't previously know well. And uh, the thing I'm most proud of is... Well, the thing I'm most proud of is what we are going to do to uh, serve readers tomorrow. And then tomorrow I'm going to say the thing I'm most proud of is what we're doing to, to get them the day after that. Uh, that's the nature of this business. You're only as good as the, your next story. I think the publication is only as good as, uh, uh, as we win each day. So thank you for that. And let's dive into the issues in, in sort of more detail. Politico was founded in 2007 by... Jim Vandehei and yourself. A lot has happened since then. Politico today is a sort of very much respected media brand, uh, obviously, um, both in the U.S. and across Europe. It's grown substantially from from the beginnings. Tell us what you saw before you founded Politico that led you and Jim to actually take the step to found a new media company. What was missing in the media landscape? Well, there was something I saw in concrete terms that I didn't like, and there was something that I saw possibly, the, something that uh, was in our imagination, but we didn't think we were making it up for the future. So the, the, the thing I definitely concretely saw was that uh, what we then thought of as legacy publications, uh, that is the, the big media companies that grew out of either major newspapers or uh, television networks, I did not see them adapting uh, to this new world, this digital revolution we were in, I didn't see them adapting with enough creativity and enough aggressive spirit. Uh, I saw them clinging defensively uh, to the old order, and I, I felt strongly that that old order couldn't be preserved. I'm not even sure that it would, we would want to preserve it. What I thought was there, but we didn't know, we had to test this, was that if you built a publication around people that shared our, our interest and even our mania uh, for these subjects of politics and policymaking, that we could convene an audience, uh, we could break news, build an audience around that news, 
uh, didn't have at that time a, a great idea of how we're going to monetize it, but I felt if you build a, a valuable audience, uh, others will be smart enough to figure out a business model to go with it. That turned out to be true. And so today, 15, 16 years onward, what's your assessment of Politico today? Also, in a couple of months ago, you announced pretty substantial organizational changes when you um, took over your new job, as you mentioned just before, your global editor-in-chief. What's your assessment of Politico in 2023? Well, I came in to this new job. Uh, I wanted this new job uh, because the publication is more interesting uh, than it's been in a number of years. We've got a new owner, still relatively new, two years ago, Axel Springer bought Politico. We've got a new uh, CEO in, in Goli, Sheikh Salami. We've got a new strategic plan that the whole organization worked on, and uh, it's opened up a world of possibilities that makes this uh, place to me r really damn interesting. Also, I believe the organization is at a point where, in my role as founder, I think being a founder gives me a certain amount of credibility to, uh, uh, not that I have all the answers, I definitely don't, but I can uh, use that position to stimulate conversation. And that's the kind of conversation I, I'm trying to stimulate. What's next uh, for the business, for the, for the media business broadly, for our business specifically? How do we avoid being disrupted? I feel really strongly about uh, uh, the need to be constantly agitating. If we don't, we're going to become like some of those publications that uh, 17 years ago, when we got started, we disrupted those publications. Uh, I don't ourselves want to be disrupted by others. I'd rather do it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so what do those changes mean for the newsroom? Like, you know, the announcement of introducing a more global structure to the newsroom. How does it make the newsroom better? What your job is now to sort of lead that newsroom and be in charge of that forward-looking uh, Whereas approach. Politico today yeah. is we have a, a number of arenas. The two primary arenas are Washington and Brussels, where we've got uh, a lot of credibility. We've got great uh, journalistic resources, and we use those resources to make a lot of news. We've got some important secondary arenas uh, that would include London, where there's a growing presence in the, in the UK, California, where we're launching a big expansion, and some other arenas. And uh, I think in all those arenas, we're doing quite a good job. But in every arena, we're also facing competitive pressures that we've got to win. Uh, so I think we need to do, within each individual arena, we need to work as hard as we can, maybe even harder than we've been working. Actually, nobody at Politico, I don't think, can work harder. This is an organization of, of incredibly dedicated people. I think we can work smarter and more creatively to have more impact. And then when we're doing as best we can in all those arenas, the question is, how do we connect them? The fact of the matter is uh, a lot of our uh, technology companies, they pay more attention to our report out of Brussels than they might out of Washington, because they know that the regulatory decisions that have most impact on them sometimes are here out of Europe. We've got a news organization stretches from Sacramento, the California capital, to here to Berlin, where we're going to be in 2024, really about bolstering our presence. You know, that's nine time zones, and we've got a lot of assets in between. My question is, how can we connect those assets more creatively uh, to create uh, distinctive content that simply isn't being produced elsewhere? But that sounds to me almost like that's not a project that you're sort of trying to implement certain changes to the newsroom. It's instilling a, a mindset uh, across all the assets and across all the sort of arenas that you mentioned. And it's an ongoing 
It's, uh, it should be a change in our psychology, a change yes. in our culture, a change in our self-conception right. of who we are. You know, when we started Politico, we were rather small. You know, in a lot of ways, we were we were winging it. Um, uh, <laughs> we, we were trying to make ourselves uh, seem bigger and more consequential than we really were. Uh, the old sports cliche that, uh, at least in the United States, people use a lot. Uh, we were trying to punch above our weight. Sure. Uh, one observation I have now is that uh, in some ways, I think Politico punches below its weight. That is, there's more we can do with all these tremendous editorial assets than we're delivering on day in, day out. I think we can change that with a, a change of habits, a change of mindset, as you say. And so you mentioned briefly that you, you know Politico is now also expanding into Germany with a German Berlin playbook coming up next year. What's your view? I mean, that's a that's a special place, obviously, for Axel Springer, you know, coming into the German market. What's your experience with how Politico is viewed in Germany with the target audiences that Politico already has? I think when Politico comes into a market, not just the German market, but we've seen this experience, uh, we saw it originally when we started in Washington. We saw it again eight years later in Brussels. We're seeing it in a current way in Paris. People initially are, perhaps they start a little skeptical. Hey, what's this about? They're curious. And then when we deliver the goods, that is, we're producing interesting, impactful, illuminating reporting each day. If we deliver those goods, we can get them hooked. And in most cases, that's been our experience, that there's a sort of a curiosity mingled with skepticism. And then... uh, uh, It's about the product. People feel like, well, gosh, I can't even remember a time when you weren't here. Right. Um, you know, what I mentioned Paris, that's very gratifying to me because that is political content that I can't read. I don't speak French. And yet the basic Politico formula, we're seeing at work with the Paris playbook. We're driving a conversation. And I would hope that, that we would have a, a similar success here in Germany, recognizing because Axel Springer is headquartered here, there's going to be a lot of attention on us. Um, you know, it seems to me that Axel Springer is widely respected in the media world. It seems to me that in some ways, Axel Springer sometimes has a target on it. And that's fine. We're a company that uh, is having impact. And, and so that's sometimes going to generate controversy. But you, we can be sure there's going to be a lot of people in Germany watching us. Uh, and, and so we're going to be just working extra hard to make sure that we emulate the success we've had elsewhere. We look forward to that. And uh, we look forward to welcome you back then to speak about the successes that we saw. Let's change gears a little bit. About a year from now, the 2024 election is going to be around the corner in the U.S., And traditionally, that's sort of a very intense time for any media publication, but perhaps particularly so for Politico. What are your expectations for Politico, the role that you want Politico to play in the upcoming election, especially maybe given sort of the polarized nature that we see in U.S. politics and, by the way, also in European politics? Well, when Politico's in your name, there is obviously a special expectation in that brand that we rise to the occasion in elections. Politico is at heart not a broad consumer brand. We are organized and edited around people who care about politics and policy making, not casually, but intensely. Professionally. And in most cases, because they have a, some sort of a professional interest in the outcomes of these big debates. That's our, the inner circle of our audience. But what we find is on big news occasions, and particularly uh, in, in presidential election years in the United States, 
we can add multiple rings around that inner circle. And so the audience of, say, three to 500,000 people that comes to us a lot, 15 times a month or so, it can grow many times over. In past years, we've had 60 million people or more coming to us uh, because they respect us on presidential coverage. So we, we're going to be aware that the audience is much bigger. But our core mission, which is to uh, really explain politics for people who are immersed in it and to engage those people in a, in a kind of ongoing conversation, uh, that's what's going to stay consistent. And maybe back to the point of sort of the hyper-polarized environment in which Politico will have to operate as every other news outlet will have to operate in. I mean, is it fair to say that almost by default, the Politico way of doing things would be to try and rise above the polarization? I'm, be a journalistic, I'm a journalistic traditionalist for the obligation of news reporter, right. I think, is to bring new facts into the public square. And then we'll have an argument about those facts. But I'm a big believer that we do have common facts. And it's the obligation of news reporters to bring those facts to light. We at Politico don't present our news through an ideological or partisanism of any kind. There are some publications that do that, including some very good ones. But we've defined our mission and our purpose differently. We're a new media organization in that uh, uh, we're big believers in the digital revolution and the possibilities that that gives us to serve readers better, more readers in more ways. But in other ways, we're journalistic traditionalists. We see ourselves defending core values of journalism, belief in the primacy of facts, belief in fundamental fairness. And I think the audience recognizes that. Uh, we're, we're sure we're criticized uh, a lot, and sometimes we deserve the criticism. But people see us conscientiously trying to um, be detached from the partisan and ideological wars. We cover them, uh, but, but we're not making an argument in those wars. Now, that's different than saying that we're neutral. On uh, a lot of questions, we're, we're not neutral. First off, I'm, I'm not neutral on truth versus lies. Yeah. And there are a lot of lies in, in politics, and it's our job to expose them. They're existential questions facing Western democracy in a, a long-term battle against authoritarian states. Well, of course, I'm not uh, neutral on that. I'm in favor of free expression. I'm in favor of democracy. I'm in favor of transparency and honesty in public debate, which doesn't characterize a lot of the authoritarian states. Uh, so not neutral on that, nor am I neutral on the, the fate of the earth as it grapples with an existential challenge in, in energy and climate change. So to be independent uh, and to have that belief in it's our job to be the referees in a way to defend that public square. It's not the same as saying that we don't care about the outcome or in some way neutral on the big questions of the age. John, thank you so much for being here, for joining us. Uh, we could continue this conversation for hours and we'd love to have you back. So thank you so much for coming. I appreciate it. Of course, uh, you can also find us on social media, on LinkedIn and on Instagram. The links are in the show notes. If you enjoy the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, give us a like or a positive review or write us at, to otr at axelspringer.com. And we'll hear you next time on On the Record. Mm-hmm.